Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs. And today we're going to be talking Manhattan. John, we're going right to the attorney route. That's where all the frontline data is. And we got Hal Cooper Smith of Cooper Smith and Cooper Smith. Okay. He's like a blacksmith out there. All right. With, with, the, with what's going on. And we're going to learn some information. We're going to go into some, some policy changes, what's going on, things that agents kind of need to know, mm-hmm. as well as what's going on in the market. He is, he is putting the shoes on the galloping stallion that is the Manhattan real estate market. And with that, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I did not think you were going to go there, John, but, but that's why you're here. Thank you for that, for that, for that excellent uh, got a uh, name uh, blacksmith references when you Whatever came. that was. <laughs> All right, John. Hal, thank you for being here. Thank you for being patient while John and I play around here. Um, listen, let's start high level. All right. Agents are listening to this. They got consumers that want to know. Is the rental market really on fire? Is the sales market really on fire? Like the data says, what's going on? No, John, thanks for having me. And again, like you said, I'm just hammering away over here. But um, the market is certainly going on strong. On the residential side, we've seen a lot of activity, um, a lot of contracts requiring to be signed very quickly. Um, it's it's There's no more COVID discount. We are seeing a lot of volume. And uh, on the commercial side, we're seeing a pickup of activity and we're talking about rentals and residential rentals. And we're certainly seeing a pickup of residential rentals, people wanting to come back um, to New York City and signing those leases. Um, You may have seen an article in the Wall Street Journal, tenants are looking to lock in uh, longer term residential leases to take advantage of the market while it's still soft. But you can expect as New York comes back uh, that that market will uh, tighten up. And uh, important things need to be done on the landlord side, which we're going to talk about if you do want to raise that rent um, for your tenants. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And that's one of the things that we realized uh, and we actually talked about is that, you know, at, at, at its nadir, at its lowest point, the rents were down, the concessions were high, but the, the length on a lot of these leases was very short. And I think a lot of landlords were very wary about going anything past a year, maybe two years if you're really, really lucky and you really pushed a deal. But um, yeah. Generally speaking, most of these most of these leases were short, so I can imagine that a lot of folks are really looking to say, "All right, well, okay, maybe the market's come back a little bit, um, and it might be time to to lock some of these down." And for leases that weren't short term, a lot of units were shelved and weren't even put on the market. Yeah, we we saw that as well. We did a piece on on, on sort of landlord warehousing and the ideas that they're trying to control that supply and demand and sort of you know refocus how refocus the yeah. Go ahead, Noah. No, I was just going to ask, Cal, are you seeing a lot of two-year leases right now, though? Not, not at this point, um, but, you know, tenants are looking to take advantage of the market while, while it's still soft, and it's still a landlord-tenant decision, um, and concessions are still there, but um, tenant, you know, um, landlords are hesitant to, to lock in a longer term. Right, but in, in general, sorry, John, one last thing. In general, the concessions, are they fading away from where they were six months ago like give me some sense of like like um 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 the the depth of those concessions today versus i guess recent past what what i'm seeing is that certainly the concessions are fading away um as compared to six months ago when it was uh january during the height of covid um that's when you would get the most concessions and right now uh you still need to attract some tenants but um you know for the most part people are uh, not entirely in the city right now. And I do expect to come back stronger starting in the fall. 
Good stuff. Let me let me shift it to sort of on the on the broker side of the equation, Hal. And you know, there's there's been a lot of you know talk about can brokers collect commission uh, from the tenants? Can they not collect? And I'm just curious, you know, where where are the laws right now uh, for New York City, New York State, in terms of you know what can what can real estate brokers expect when they're doing rental deals? It's a very good question, John. And there's been a lot of confusion in the market about that. Uh, New York State passed the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act, and the New York State Department of State provided an interpretation of the law that prohibited brokers from collecting commissions. Uh, there was a lawsuit about that, so that interpretation was put on hold. Uh, that lawsuit was resolved um, in favor of brokers being able to collect commissions. Uh, you may have also heard that there's legislation uh, to prevent um, tenant brokers from collecting commissions. That has not passed the Assembly or the Senate. Uh, it's not law yet. Um, so right now, brokers who are representing tenants can collect commissions. Interesting stuff. Right. Yeah, I know. I know that was a. I know that was a big worry that was lingering around for a while. Um, what about tenants that uh, are paying the condo and co-op fees, um, or should the landlord pay those fees? Like, what 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 do you think should be going on? That's a great question, Noah, because um, there was certainly a lot of confusion around that. And some of the landlords that we represent own in co-ops and condos. And so how much can a landlord collect for a credit check or anything else like that? Um, right now, a lot of the buildings have, have certainly wised up and they're transferring all those fees to the landlord side. So um, an application fee, a move-in fee, they'll have the, the shareholder or the owner pay those fees. Um, from the broker side, if the, a co-op or condo is collecting a fee from a tenant, the broker has a safe harbor. So um, it's, it's somewhat of an unresolved part of the law at, at this point. But if a broker collects those fees, there is a safe harbor and the broker is not doing anything wrong. Interesting stuff. And so uh, does that mean there are different requirements then if you're a, if you're a landlord in a co-op or a condo? Um, well, John, John, as the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act affected landlords across New York State, large and small. So there's certainly a compliance aspect for larger landlords. Um, you know, they have all these units and they're developing their systems to make sure that they send out non-renewal notice, rent increase notices, performing the walkthrough and returning the security deposit uh, at the end of the lease. Mm -hmm. And those apply to small landlords as well. And um, so for the individual condo co-op owner, they have to keep track of these deadlines as well. Um, and there's a lot to keep track of. For example, um, we kind of alluded to this earlier, if an owner does not send out a rent increase notice, they can't increase the rent by more than 5% per year. So right. let's say that landlord um, either did that concession um, uh, you know, last year uh, or in addition to removing the concession, wants to increase the rent, um, they won't be able to do that with the same tenant if they haven't sent out that rent increase notice. Same thing goes for a co-op or condo where there's a restriction on how long an owner can rent for. If an owner doesn't send a non-renewal notice, that tenant or subtenant in the case of a co-op can stay beyond the length of the lease until the owner sends a non-renewal notice. And that could obviously subject the owner, if they're in a co-op, to fees and penalties 
And so we've worked very closely um, with our landlords and property managers who we work with. We've developed a proprietary system called Rescue, which keeps tracks, which keeps track of all the rentals, uh, informs um, landlords, brokers, and property managers of these requirements as they come up, and make sure that they don't miss a deadline. Yeah, well, it's, it sounds like it could be a real disaster. I mean, you know, if you're renting to somebody in a co-op and the co-op only lets you rent for, say, two years and you, your tenant doesn't move out and they stay, I mean, I can imagine that it's co-op. And I guess it sounds like it sounds like there's no exceptions. Is that correct? Like if you're a landlord, regardless of, of the nature of the property, whether it's a co-op condo, uh, you know, multifamily house, and you're just renting one of the rooms at one of the apartments, th- there is no exceptions. Is that is that correct? There's no exception um, if you are renting out your own apartment. It applies to landlords, large and small. And so it's certainly a big burden for small landlords, for individual yeah. owners. Um, and we recognize that problem and wanted to help uh, landlords, brokers, property managers follow the law, make sure they're not missing the deadlines. Yeah. Hey, Hal, um, that notice that needs to go out, um, I'm, I guess I'm just thinking about that, that owner of the condo that is renting their place and may not know all these things or the agent that may not know these things. Let's, let's make them aware. How, is there a timeline there? Like it must be sent within 30 days, 60 days of lease expiration or something. It depends on how long the tenant has been in the premises. So if a lease, like one of those short-term leases you were talking about, um, it's less than a year, the owner has to send it at least 30 days before the expiration of the lease. If it's one year to up to two years, it's 60 days before the end of the lease. And if the tenant's okay. been in there for more than two years, it's 90 days before the end of the lease. Okay. And so it depends on, yeah, yeah, depends on how okay. long so that. So yeah, you got, it sounds like you do have to keep track of a, of a, of a ton of stuff. Um, I, I was just going to say how, how, how the hell, I mean, this rescue system, is this, is this what you built to keep track of all this? We, we built it. Um, particularly with the small landlord, small property owner in mind, what I've been trying to evangelize is you have to dump the Excel spreadsheet, the Google sheet for renewal. Um, If you don't keep track, you know, it's hard enough to keep track of a renewal on its own. Now with the requirements of the law, there can be a lot more um, consequences for failing to follow the law. And uh, if, you know, what I've been saying to brokers is if you're um, maybe rentals aren't a primary part of your business and you want to maintain that relationship with an owner, you're not doing them any favors if you're simply keeping track of the renewals on your own. Um, and if rentals are a primary part of um, your business and you are a rental broker, this is a great system to add value and and sustain that relationship with your landlord clients and make sure that they're keeping track of the deadlines. That's cool stuff. Uh, congratulations. Sounds like an interesting thing. Let, let me just, if I could shift it for a, a second, because I know um, just last week, I think it was, there were some changes to the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act that, that involves co-ops and whether or not co-ops for owners who don't have, who don't own the property outright, they own shares. Um, if the co-op, the corporation could uh, say withhold more than say a, a month of, of um maintenance for escrow or some some things like that. I'm wondering if you could sort of walk us through what has changed. I know it hasn't been signed yet, but what's coming down the pipeline, essentially? That's it's a great question, John. Um, so the, the law was passed in June 10th or 11th um, by the, the Senate, and it hasn't been signed by the governor yet, but it was um, pretty much unanimous. So everyone expects it to be signed. 
And co-ops are included under the Housing and Stability Tenant Protection Act because it's a landlord-tenant relationship. So the sweeping reform of the HSDPA included co-ops and um, owners and co-ops and, and property managers said, you know, we understand the protections that you're trying to offer to residential tenants, but it doesn't necessarily apply to someone who owns a co-op unit, who's an owner or shareholder in a, in a building, essentially capping the late fees, um, requiring a security deposit, because there are very well maybe legitimate reasons for a co-op to have um, higher fees, um, require security, particularly when someone's going to own the shares and, and live there. So um, instead of late fees being capped at $50 or, or 5% of the rent, that has now increased to 8% or will, might increase to 8% of the maintenance um, without a cap of, of $50 can require the security deposit um, from someone who, who's buying uh, into a co-op and, and a lot of the other, um, those are the main ones, but there are certainly a lot of other provisions um, that apply. But what I do want to highlight is these only apply to uh, owner shareholders of the building. So what we're talking about in terms of subletting a co-op um, still applies. And if you're an owner subletting your co-op to a tenant, you still have to follow the requirements of the HSDPA as it's written. And there's no exception there. Wow. Okay. That was a that was a good question there, Johnny. Um, hey, Hal, uh, can landlords charge for pet deposits uh, or or prepayment of a rent in a year in advance? It's a good question. So that's exactly um, a follow up from um, John from John's question, which is um, you still you can't collect uh, a higher security deposit. You can't prepay rent. Um, so anyone who's renting out their apartment, either a condo co-op or a rental unit, still has to charge still can't collect a pet deposit, can't accept a prepayment of rent, uh, can't accept more than one month of security. And, and those laws, that law is, is still in effect. Okay. Interesting stuff. I mean, just a lot of stuff here, Johnny. It is. And so let me, I just like to, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about landlords, tenants, things like that. Let me just, I'd like to shift the conversation up a little bit and just talk about right now, you know, we, right now, here it is, it's, it's the middle of June, the sales market remains on fire for both Manhattan and Brooklyn, the rental market seems to be picking up off its lows. We have a lot of tenants, as you as you mentioned, moving in the city. And I'm curious, when you do deals with your clients, what's the mood? What's the mood against the buyers, the sellers, the sellers think it's a great time. They yeah, think what's the urgency? Lunch. Yeah, what's the urgency? Yeah. How, how, are, how are folks feeling out there on the front lines? People are certainly feeling the urgency on the, the buy and sell, particularly on the buy side. Uh, I've been working with clients who have seen a lot of their properties. They have accepted offers um, and you know need a, a deal done quickly. Due diligence completed, uh, a transaction uh, completed very, very quickly. It certainly feels like a seller's market um, and that there, you guys probably know better that there will be um, upward price increases um, as that follows, but it, it does seem like there's a lot of urgency. I've even sort of working with clients, they had an accepted offer and someone comes up over the top with them as we're working together at one day after that, that offer is accepted. And that's happened more than a few times. Yeah. I think it was you know, you know, last, it was last year about this time that we were having, we, we were talking to attorneys and they were talking about how they're trying to get clients out of contracts. They're, you know, they're, they're working yeah. on renegotiating. And now we're talking about, you know, best and finals are not necessarily the final. Yeah. 
And, and you know, um, um, it's, it's such an interesting time. I was, I was just on, Phil Horgan had this um, clubhouse um, chat and, and a bunch of industry um, pros were there. Um, Fritz Friegen was one of them. And he talked about um, the surge that we just had over the last three months. He's like, he's like, the companies are starting to require people to come back to work. That there's been a, there's been like a 50% requirement. Um, and maybe that has led to the last three months of record activity because there's just been a rebalancing. And the, the argument was, um, I think there's going to be another one because there's going to be another wave of offices requiring either 75% to 100%, whatever it's in one or two steps. He's like, and that's going to require a whole load of people just to say, all right, I got to come back. So he's like, when he looks forward, um, I, I see that these waves, almost like a tsunami coming and we may be in a downtrend, we may go down, but then there's going to be another wave and then there's going to be another wave. And then I was on an element calling Doug Williford, sales manager Trebek at Element, said the exact same thing. And these guys were not part of the same conversation. So it's like, I'm wondering if that is something that not many people are talking about and it's starting to get a narrative right over here, the move back wave. Our office is, is in Midtown Manhattan. Um, and when we just moved and certainly have seen um, more people on the streets as um, I'm walking around town um, and, and coming to the office, it's certainly not at, at full occupancy, but I can certainly see um, as companies require people to come back probably after the summer banks are uh, in the news requiring people to come back if you can go to a restaurant you can come to the office and so um i i certainly um anticipate anticipate those waves as well interesting let me ask you how and, and you know this is not something we talked about beforehand because sometimes we go over these things but do you guys do any on, on uh, business on the commercial side because I'm very curious about what, you know, ground floor retail is one of the things we've been talking about. Yeah. Looking forward to that coming. I'm just curious, like, what are your commercial landlords, what are your commercial tenants thinking these days? We we do commercial leasing and uh, we have seen um, offers go out on um, on retail and they're trading at a discount from, from where they were pre-COVID. Um, seen a fair amount of percentage rent deals uh, and landlords working with tenants on that front. And uh, on the on the office side, we see tenants and landlords making deals uh, and and bringing people into the office. Um, maybe it's not immediate, uh, anticipated for summer or fall, um, or just a renewal. But um, that office activity is is starting to come back, and I think that people um, will uh, come back to the offices. And you're also seeing um, from generalized data an increase in retail sales. Uh, just across the country. And so you can certainly expect that to come to New York and restaurants popping up because now they have um, their choice of, of environment. And, and um, on the retail side, everything's going to trade at a certain price. So, uh, yeah. you know, it was unfortunate. We were working through a lot of lease modifications um, during the pandemic. Um, now activities coming up and, um, you know, it, it should be an exciting time for the city as, it, as those waves come in. John, that was a great question. Hal, that was a, that's an awesome answer. I love hearing it. And John, we talk about this all the time. It feels like it's starting to happen. We talk about the, the ground floor retail tentacle coming back, the commercial space tentacle coming back, the rental sector tentacle coming back. And when we're talking about how it's not going to happen all at once, it's kind of going to be like over time. It's just a beautiful thing to see. And this is why I think this market has legs. And Hal, you're 100% right. Price action, looking forward, it, it's nothing but positive. The problem is we might have a little bit of a slowdown from record activity, So, but the price action is just going to be positive for the next six plus months. Yeah. 
it'll be great to see the city come back. It was it was obviously a tough yeah. time for a lot a lot of people, and I think everyone who 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 cares about the city is is really happy to to see the activity and and be together. Yeah, look, and if if I don't mind, how could you give us a little insight? Because you mentioned that you're seeing some rents trading at a discount. I'm just curious. Do you have a generalized level for that discount? Because I and the second with the commercial, that, yeah, on the commercial side. The second question, and this is a two-part question. Um, so generalized discounts, part one. Part two is like, are these landlords? Is this a very uh, idiosyncratic thing, or is this sort of you know depending on location? I think it's it's somewhat idiosyncratic. I don't want to generalize uh, for for you guys, and I think it it is important to to break it out by by asset class. You know it's easy to toss out 15 to 20% as a discount. Um, but I think it really um, becomes more nuanced when on, on the office side, it, it becomes more nuanced when when you're working through um, what is there, and whether or not um, lower end office will be absorbed or, or transferred um, to a different asset class, which is, um, you know, certainly what a lot of people are talking about, um, and whether or not hotels um, of a certain asset class become uh, residential. And um, so I don't want to generalize in, in terms of, of what discounts are. But I think that um, probably a, a few years from now, uh, I don't think that there'll be, you know, we'll be looking back at this time to say those were the days for the days. for discounts. Yeah. Unbelievable. Great. That's great that's the way it works. Hal, Hal Cooper Smith of Cooper Smith and Cooper Smith. This was fantastic. A lot of, of nuggets and gems of information here. And I really appreciate you sharing this and taking the time. Um, that is John Walkup. I am Noah Rosenblatt. We are both of Urban Digs. This has been Talking Manhattan. And we'll catch you next time.